0: welcome back citizen you're listening to space trucker radio everything you need to know about what's happening in the verse don't leave without us we're full quantum in three two one punch it Hey, welcome back everybody. Welcome into to episode number three of Space Truckers Radio. You can hit me up on Twitter. That's also Space Truckers Radio or at SpaceTruckerRA1. I would love to hear from you. What did you think of episode number one and two on the Banu and the Outlaws? Do you have a suggestion for an, outlaw, uh, as, uh, for an episode you'd like to talk about? By all means, hit me up. I'll be happy to look into it for you. Hey, it's, uh, it's Alien Week. A lot going on in the verse right now it's not online uh, within game as you might have thought for our invictus launch week or for the defense drake defense con there there is no actual in-game location where you can go and check out all the various things that we're interested in looking at for the alien week however It is all over the place on the RSI website, and I hope you've gone over there and checked out what there is to see. If you're interested in some of the alien culture, there have been a lot of great things for you to look at this week. Everything from ships to in-game language to lore to stories to even a message from the Banu uh, and presented to us by a Stanton media outlet in video form on YouTube, which has been just fantastic. A little bit of their congratulations as we celebrate the anniversary of reaching out to the stars and actually meeting the banu and then their continued commitment to the uee and the growth of the empire and of course us likewise reciprocating similar feelings so it's really kind of neat to to go and have a look at that i do believe they've even got some contests on there where you can translate some of the xian language and that's what we're going to actually talk a little bit about today not not the contest but the Xi'an is a people, uh, their empire, we're going to get into a little bit about their personality, uh, what to expect from the Xi'an when you do see them in game, their history, their governance, their culture, maybe a little bit about their religion, just kind of like we did with the Manu, and get an idea who the, the Xi'an people really, truly are, as good as we can uh, with their nature. They're not really a, a, a completely secretive society, there is a lot of information, so we're going to share that with you today. But but as far as Alien Week goes, do go check that out. We have some new ships, even. we got a cargo hauler. It's really neat. What do you think about it? You like it? You hate it? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and of course, you know they're always looking at those Taveran ships, the Asperia line. You're probably familiar with the Talon or the Shrike. There's a, you know, there's a few that you can look at. I think they look really cool. Uh, there's also some other things going on online as far as uh, lore, maybe some stories uh, a gift from Baba, which we might be covering in a later episode. We're gonna. There's a lot of Star Citizen tales uh, that we're gonna bring about in in kind of an audio book flavor. If you will, I'm going to do some episodes and they'll be easy to pick out. Uh, it'll say, you know, Star Citizen Tales and then whatever. Probably going to start with Kid Crimson, really good. So every now and then, if you're flying around the verse like you're doing right now, you're mining, you're bounty hunting, you're, you know, whatever it is that you happen to be doing and you're just listening to the Star Citizen Radio, Space Trucker Radio uh, to, to fill the void. If you like audio books, look for those episodes. They'll be coming up down the line and... Uh, let me apologize for the delay on this episode. I would like to get an episode out every Monday, but uh, you know I am a very busy man, <laughs> so it's not always going to be on a schedule that maybe you can count on. You'll just have to keep checking back for more Star Citizen, uh, pardon me, Space Truckers Radio, and see when a new episode has dropped. I'm going to do them when I can and when I have the time, and hopefully you're uh, you know waiting eagerly for another episode to fill the time in between systems as you're jumping around from cluster to cluster. Which is what I call... What do you guys do? Crusader? You got Crusader, R-Corp, you got Microtech, uh, you got Hurston. I call them clusters, because they're not really systems, right? Stanton is the system. Uh, So I call them clusters. Anyway, as you're jumping around from one to the other, I hope you're listening to Space Truckers Radio. Fill the time, fill the void. And uh, yeah, so let's get into this. Let's get into the the Xi'ans. How do you say it even? How do you spell it? Well, it's X-I-apostrophe-A-N. So whether or not that looks like it's easy to say, it's pronounced she So if you can just imagine it phonetically, it's S H E E dash A-H-N. but just imagine S H E E in capitals. That's where all your, um, really the flex your intonation should be she on So yeah, now that's, this is the, uh, one of the most advanced, probably the most certainly above, uh, you know, the Banu and humans, but one of the more advanced of the spacefaring races that we are going to encounter when we're out there in the verse. And there's a lot that we can learn about them as we talked about. We're going to go through some of that today. So just in general, what are they like? You know, the Banu, we learned about them, you know, how they live in in their societal packs, the Sulis, and how they get things done, and and, uh, even their kind of you know, secretive uh, personality that they have. Well, what are they like, the the Xi'an? Well, first of all, they are masters of diplomacy. They're very patient, very refined people. Uh, But despite all this, they can throw down in a battle if they need to. If they have to uh, pick a fight or win a fight, they certainly can if the situation calls for it. But when you you get to know them, you're going to approach them, you're going to see a very dignified, diplomatic, patient, refined kind of individual. And a reason for this, in a lot of ways, is due to their longevity, how long they live. The Xi'an can live for centuries. So that's, you know, that's very different from, from humans, obviously, who you know we, we can live for decades, not centuries. So for them, when they approach uh, situations, it's, di- it's going to be very different. Their placid demeanor can often be kind of interpreted as aloofness. Maybe even apathy and indifference towards, you know, our human goals or, or how we might feel, maybe our eagerness or to get things done. It, it could almost come off as them simply not caring. But when you think about it, if you're living centuries, I mean, wrap your mind around that. 100 years being a century, humans often don't even get one century. They live centuries, so multiple. So for us, you know, we got to get something done in, in a long-term goal would be 20 years. You know, for them, that's nothing, right? I mean, there's no, so there's no real big rush for them to think of everything in terms of decades in mind and not years in mind like we might. Uh, obviously this long lifespan also affects their species in terms of propagation. It's carefully carefully monitored. So you can imagine if you're living for centuries, of course, and the species was allowed to reproduce as, as much as, as they would wish to, <laughs> or could you know what happened by accident. we're not quite sure about the, the reproductive cycle of this Xi'an, at least I'm not. Um, but the propagation of the species is carefully monitored and, and for good reason to present, prevent, pardon me, some overcrowding. Uh, they are the second alien race to be discovered by the UEE. Obviously, as we talked about in episode one, the first being the Banu. And you'll see that, particularly when we talk about their law enforcement and crime and their approach to that, you get a real reflection of their personality through how they they even govern their legal system. So, But before I get into that, I kind of want to get into the history of their empire a little bit as it's pretty interesting and it even includes... A Cold War. So let's have a look at that. This is something that really affects us because it was involving humans. So the Cold War part of the Xi'an history was from 2530 to 2789. The Xi'an Empire became known to humans in 2530 when the Gaia Planet Services attempted to terraform the planet Palace Three without authorization. Turns out the planet wasn't uninhabited like they had originally thought a new race, later discovered to be the Xi'an Empire, showed up while the terraformers were actually building the equipment, so you can imagine uh, the tense you know, situation that that would have put forward. So this encounter immediately escalated into a 259-year Cold War, that's where we get those numbers from 2530 to 2789. In the darker era of human history, the Imperator and government often used the Xi'an threat as a means to terrify even their own citizens and swell the power of the military. Right, sound familiar? We've seen this even in human history throughout, uh, throughout many governments and, and situations where we've had a cold war, whether it be Russia Cuba Missile Crisis. Uh, we're not going to get into, into human politics, in my opinion, on those. I really don't have one. But we can see the parallel lines being drawn. And it helps us to understand what had happened in this history. So although neither side actually declared open war, and that's the key, that's the point of a cold war, You know, there's really, it's a munition stocking. They never declared open war. There were many casualties on both sides from covert operations, sabotage, even espionage. And due to their extended lifespan, there are Xi'an from that era that are still alive, such as Cray, the current Xi'an emperor, who negotiated a very tenuous and very daring, if you will, peace accord with Senator Akari in 27 89. That would be Senator uh, Tarrant Akari, who was a senator from Terra in the 28th century. She brokered a peace treaty with the Xi'an in 2789, uh, while a Xi'an fleet was following the SS Lighthammer. Although she was not authorized to do so without the Imperator's approval. However, the Xi'an accepted the peace treaty, and their fleet, following the SS Lighthammer, powered down their weapons. And backed away, so it was a very tense situation, as you could uh, you could imagine. But all's well that ends well, and they finally were able to broker this peace treaty. The Xian and humanity have had a, a tumultuous, if you will, if you will allow, relationship over the years, and that's putting it at best. But while the Xian have generally regarded humanity as short-sighted and impetuous perhaps making it easy for them to say, let's just eradicate these people, they have acknowledged our capacity to destroy <laughs> and, our, and our power is a military threat, uh, tenacity at the very least. And so they have treated us accordingly. Uh, while their technology might seem superior to ours, uh, you know, if you, look, if you get a chance to look at any pictures, it certainly looks nicer. Uh, most of that is simply due to its alien origin. Our two civilizations are on a relatively equal technological footing. They are more advanced, but so, are, so is the UEE. And this ability for mutual annihilation is probably what kept either side from attempting an all-out attack. And that leads us to the Perry Line, 2789. So we're still at the end of that peace accord. The Perry line is a line of systems that acted as a no-man's land between the UEE and the Xi'an. So these systems, which include Tohil, Oya, Gerzil, Horus, Pallas, Hadur, Indra, and Virtus, became known as the Perry line. And it was after that peace treaty of 2789 that the Perry line was divided between the UEE and the Xi'an with Tohil, Oya, and Gerzil, and Horus going to the UEE, Pallas, Hatter, Indra, and Virtus going to the Xi'an. So at present, the relations with the Xi'an have, have warmed over the years. It, you would be making it a stretch to, to call them friendly without a slight hint of sarcasm. You know, you'd find it difficult to do so. Maybe guarded. Guarded is a good word. Uh, a, probably a more accurate term. There are undoubtedly members of of the Xi'an government who still regard the UEE with suspicion and distrust. As we mentioned, some of them are still alive, going all the way back to that Cold War, uh, including that imperator, uh, or I guess emperor for them, imperator for the UEE. The current imperator has always been clear, though, for the UEE that the futures of the two nations are intertwined. So at least there's hope now that the Xi'an and the and the UEE can work harmoniously towards a better future. Uh, as more human corps enter into tech exchange deals with Xi'an companies, apparently they, they feel the same with the Xi'an wanting to increase their hold in the system and, and their technological advancement through the exchange of knowledge with humans. It's interesting uh, that we find out a little bit more about the Xi'an as far as their military service. So service in the military is compulsory for every male and female in the Xi'an empire. So after an obligatory term of service, you, you know I think it's uh, 15 earth years is what they do, 15 earth years, in, in one of the branches of the military, then all Xi'ans are considered to be reserve members for the rest of their lives. So we don't have that in the UEE, you sign up, you can become a citizen if you do, different for them, they must serve. Uh, the standing Xi'an armed forces consists currently of over 16 million members, not including the civilian populace, all of which effectively have combat training so because you come up of, of age within the Xi'an Empire you're going to receive combat training you're going to serve for 15 years so by the time they come out you're an expert at what you do you can then go on sure and live your life but you are effectively still a soldier in the reserves so while they have a standing army unlike the Banu who we, as we have we talked about don't and just kind of operate with militias and wait till they need to assemble the Xi'an always have a 16 million strong armed forces ready to roll out at any possible time with the ability to recall literally every adult citizen. So maybe it's a good thing we didn't go to war. Because <laughs> they certainly, uh, they can pack a punch. Now, they're not inherently aggressive or or expansionist in their nature. You know, they don't want to conquer all of us. But the Xi'an history is rife with civil war and power struggles within their own empire. Uh, however, over the last 500 years or so, the Xi'an have adopted alternate methods to warfare, preferring subtlety, uh, manipulation through diplomatic protocols to overt conflict if they can. So the Xi'an influence is suspected in the revolution and subsequent overthrow of Imperator Messer the 11th in 2792 and we won't get into that like i said there's a whole story to be told we've mentioned it before about the messers and who they are and it's starting to shape up to maybe be a bit of an ugly tale isn't it as we keep talking about these guys in such a negative light some of them ladies as well but we'll get into that uh, the, you know, the geon have uh, a number of ships they seem to have a very vertical design uh right now we know of at least uh, i do believe six ships they got the capital ship a cargo ship a transport ship the oracle class carrier a link and a volper uh and then of course there's other ships that that we use that have xion technology like for example the cartu the cartual the reliant the Misk reliant or how about the freelancer did you know that had xion technology sure now, I promised I would get into a little bit more about their personality and mention that we really would see this shine through when it comes to their approach to law enforcement and crime. So there is a lot less crime per capita in the Xi'an Empire than in the UEE. That doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't exist. It certainly does, but there's there's a lot less crime per capita. Why is that? Well, the Xi'an pride themselves on having, and I'm going to, going to put my fingers up to make the air quotation so that you kind of see what a dignified uh, criminals now, you know, that might seem right off the bat, what are you talking about dignified criminals? Well, acting as well, not as acting from a position of emotion for the Xi'an is seen as weakness and immaturity. So just think back to when we were talking earlier in this podcast about their personality, they're very poised, they're very dignified. Mm-hmm. They're very diplomatic. They also see acting with emotion as a sign of weakness and immaturity. So, you know, throughout these podcasts, you're probably going to hear me make reference to other species from other universes, whether it be, you know, Star Trek or, or uh, you know, Star Wars or who knows what. And I'm not going to get into the whole nerd battle about we're in the same universe. Never mind. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You know, uh, for me, it's going to be Star Trek a lot. I'm a big Star Trek fan, so if you are too, you're going to get a lot of these references, but I kind of get a very Vulcan-esque feel about them. Do you? In the way they approach things. But uh, I digress. Let's get back to this law enforcement. So they see it as weakness and immaturity. So criminals within the Xi'an Empire are are not so much like those you would expect to see in the UEE. Those that you were fighting out there in all those asteroid belts, you know, that are full of rage, right, and hate. Or, you know, they even if they're just outlaws, as we talked about in episode number two, they could be good people, and then they're fighting against oppression, but they're doing so out of uh, an act of pure passion, uh, emotion, right? It's raw. You don't really get that with the, the Xi'an Empire. Uh, so criminals within the Empire, you might, you might think of them more as how we would understand syndicates to be in the UEE or, you know, the Mafia. Sprawling, disciplined, organized organizations whose business happens you know, to be crime. <laughs> and so you know, that gives us a little bit of an, an idea. That doesn't mean that the Xi'an, the Xi'an don't have pirates or smugglers, as we would come to understand. They do, but they tend to be younger in, in what they call their more rambunctious phase of life. And you'll see these pirates that usually hunt in the UEE territory when they come into game. We're probably going to see them coming into our systems. They will rob their own kind if the car goes right. But you know, that kind of activity that is less structured and more emotional is almost unheard of, and if you do see it, it'll likely be some of the younger X'ian. So all this considered, to humans, the Xi'an culture can seem rigid, lifeless, really. But a majority of that is artifice. So uh, for example, the Xeon present themselves as polite, but neutral, particularly to those who they have never met before. But this is an age old social testing mechanism. Here's how they do it. They approach a person as a blank slate. They let the other person set the tone uh, or tip his or her hand as to how that interaction is going to go and how it's going to progress. When a Xi'an feels comfortable with the contact, they will begin to lose the artifice and and relate on more of a personal level. Now, admittedly, with humans, for them, it takes a little longer. As we said before, they have a lot of members that remember that Messer Messer era, you know, where there was a lot of trouble and strife. And that has led to a definite us versus them mentality within the Xi'an society. Uh, they won't hesitate to take another Xi'an side over an outsider unless definitive evidence is presented to support the outsider's claim or, or an accusation. Uh, but it's not unusual though, despite all of these, these feelings that are lingering throughout their empire to see Xi'an within UEE space, uh, usually they're going to fall into three categories. The, maybe they're visiting a Xi'an businessman or dignitary, uh, or they're a younger Xi'an who haven't quite settled into their culture or their expatriates. Now, those that are within the Xeon Empire felt that their way of life was too stifling. There are some. And they welcomed humanity's, as they put it, childish emotions <laughs> as a breath of fresh air and expatriated to the UEE. Some even going through the uh, rather arduous process of becoming citizens, so uh, while others enjoyed maybe just the relaxed civic responsibility of civilian life. So you, you will see them, hopefully, as part of UEE everyday life as well. Maybe not en masse, um, but uh, maybe regularly. So that leads us a little bit to their culture. How are we gonna approach them? Well, a lot of it is gonna hinge on their language. For us, a language is just a way to communicate, but perhaps, if you will for a moment, in different human languages, we have a lot of different languages, there are phrases or greetings that would be appropriate or inappropriate depending on the situation. And it's very much the same with the Xi'an. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples because it's my thought that as with the Banu, they are giving us this language now so that we might be able to use it in game. They've already got facial recognition. We have vocal comms. I would not put it past them to have vocal recognition. Uh, by which we would maybe say a greeting even to an AI Banu trading ship and possibly open up trading opportunities with them where otherwise they may not have stopped had we messed up that first encounter. It seems like that's the kind of people they are. So here's just a few tips for you. The first one, and if I, I guess you won't know if I'm butchering these. <laughs> so we're just going to say I'm getting them right. There's Shisurin which literally means hello and greetings with peace. So this is the formal greeting and meant to be, uh, to only be used among close friends or with trusted business partners, as it were uh, in the hope of establishing a bond. So use of this phrase though, in a casual manner, or when approaching a situation with tension or duplicity, that will immediately marginalize you in the Jians' eyes. You know, one could argue that it's like a pledge of truth and honor as much as it is a greeting shasurin now for a more casual hello there's chak c-h-a-c this is to be used among peers or to subordinates you know use of this phrase from a subordinate to superior though or or to a shion of a higher caste than you would cause offense then there's Atlekor, which just simply means safe travel it's a formal goodbye um, maybe it's equivalent of godspeed in ancient earth and seafaring days. Then there's gath, which is simply a casual goodbye. So you just see there in those four examples, you know, just in their greetings alone, uh, which one you use, with whom you use it, and in what situation you choose to do so, makes a big difference. But don't worry. Majority of the Xi'an can be quite forgiving when it comes to minor social infractions. Uh, They understand that more often than not it's not intentional and uh, they appreciate the effort as anyone would of a different language that you tried to learn their customs so if you find yourself offending a xion you don't have to worry they're not going to get angry and kill you it's not like offending a klingon there's another star trek reference for you (laughs) the xion will find such displays of emotion to be immature so they would never react that way they will simply shut down become curt succinct uh, intractable, right? So the, if you're hoping to form a business relationship with them, get it right. If you're just trying to say hi and you get it wrong, well, no harm, no foul. And most of these social rules only apply to the first several meetings. Anyway, once a bond of trust or friendship has been established, the Xian are quite forthcoming and they, they'll relax for you quite a bit. Now, we don't know a whole bunch about their culture. In fact, we know very little about their c- culture so far. And we're going to get more and more lore regarding that. We knew a lot more about the Banu culture than we do the Xi'an. I can tell you this, though, they keep pets, uh, cat like creatures as pets. Like we all, most of us like cats. Maybe you hate cats. I don't know. But uh, a, lot of the, a lot of humans love cats, right? And they have a similar creature to a cat. It's called, a, well, it's nicknamed the uh, Ingi or Yao Yao that's uh, that's really all I was able to find so far on Xi'an culture. And but again, you know, with their poised and rigid kind of way of not wanting to show emotion, it's it's no wonder they don't wax poetic about what they enjoy in their culture and what they do spend their recreational time with. That's probably a waste of time to them even discussing it. So what we do know a little bit about is their religion. So the state religion of the X'ian is Litova. Which is centered on the, the Kaifa system. Kaifa II actually is the seat of Latova. And humans believe that this is because the Kaifa second day is the same length as the, as the Xi'an year. So that's one planet that has a different uh, time. You know, one day there is the same as uh, the whole Xi'an year elsewhere in the empire. So a dedicated adherent to Latova will pray for one full day on Kaifa II. So about 128 Earth years. And then they will raise a centennial bloom which is a very interesting plant and one that uh you know once try to acquire it's one that only blooms every hundred years so they'll be praying and then they'll raise this plant uh, while they're doing so it takes about 128 as we mentioned earth years lutova itself is centered around nothingness and the void that religion uh shian who follow the religion are very concerned with their impact on the universe it encourages the asking of questions scientific exploration and the contemplation of time so kind of similar to maybe some monk societies uh, of you know earth cultures where they'll meditate often on well you've probably heard the joke meditating on the sound of one hand clapping you know these kinds of things this is very similar to their to their beliefs in latova they're scattered alternate belief systems uh, throughout the empire, though, that tend to offer moral guidelines, promote universal spirituality rather than, you know, worshipping specific gods. Ultimately, that really sums it up for the Xi'an. We look forward to seeing them in game. Hopefully we'll get their home system, which is the, the Hyotun system. Uh, brought into the game uh, soon. I, there's they have not talked about that, so please don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, but that is the system they're in, the Hyotan, uh Hyotan? yeah, I'm saying it right. Hyotan system with the uh, Rixian being their home planet. So you know, eventually, let's hope we get to visit there. I'm sure we will be able to get to know the Xi'an people a little bit more. Uh, get to hopefully uh, trade with them or do business dealings with them. Diplomatic would be probably. I would lean towards. We're probably gonna be trading a lot more with the Banu and, and more diplomatic relations with the Xi'an, I would I would imagine, maybe even tra- trade trades as far as military or technological things, data would seem to be something that I would imagine the Xi'an would be very much interested in dealing with. So if you're hoping to be a data runner, maybe that's something that you can look forward to. So what do you think? You're looking forward to meeting the Xi'an people? Uh, one of your you know, your favorite prospects for alien species coming up or not? Again, my name is Phoenix. I would love to hear you from you over on Twitter at Space Truggers Radio at Space Trucker RA1. This has been episode number three, all about the, the Xi'an Empire. I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned for episode number four, which will be coming to you shortly. Until then, keep your eyes on your radar, and I'll see you in the verse.